Welcome in to 2 for Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Today, I'm with my guy, Mike Renner. We're going to do a dueling mock draft. Each of us is going to draft 22 starters at every single position, back and forth. Mock draft for the 2021 NFL Draft Class should be a ton of fun. Seeing other draft analysts do it, we have to get into the mix. We also have on the podcast, joining the show... Nate Tice of The Athletic, interview with Nate Tice of The Athletic, talk about the quarterback and wide receiver class, and at the back end of the podcast, interview with Tulane defensive lineman Cam Sample. Let's get it. got an absolute treat to start the podcast today something that even mike quinn is going to jump on i have a really good story a kind of a deep cut from when i saw andy dalton in cincinnati this was a few years back and um there was still this board game bar open in cincinnati it was called the rook quinn you probably remember it the rook yeah it was personally i thought it was like the lamest bar in the history of mankind but not surprised to see andy dalton there not surprised to see andy dalton there. so we were me and some friends were there playing settlers of Catan, which Fantastic board game. If you like to play board games, Settlers of Catan is fantastic. Andy Dalton's there. I see him roll in with his wife or fiance. I'm not sure if he's married or whatever. He rolls in with his fiance. I don't remember what he gets, but I remember judging him for it. It's like an IPA or something. I don't know why, but regardless. Here's what they grab as a board game, though. Side comment. They go in. Andy Dalton risks his, you know, putting his face out in the wild. A very notable face, by the way. Dude's fucking red hair. Only red hair. I don't know how many red hair people you even see in Cincinnati. Not a lot. He goes out into the public, out in the wild, to go play at the lamest bar in Cincinnati per Mike Quinn. And the board game he grabs. Guess who? He grabs a board game. Guess who? A board game made for four-year-olds to teach them how to observe colors and shapes. He's like, yeah, you want to go out to a bar and play guess who? Ask, well, uh, does your person yeah, does your person have a blue shirt on? Like, what the fuck are we doing here? That's now, like, I, I will give him, I will come to his defense a little bit. You're kind of limited in your selection of games, right? Like, if you wanted to go I, in there and play Settlers of Catan and somebody else is already playing it, you're fine. I'm going to counter. The, you, are the opposite, you are the opposite of limited in that place. They had, like, every board game under the sun. They had everything. And if you're going to go out there and play Guess Who, you might as well just stay home and ask each other questions about your shirts. Like, well, this is a disaster. Guess I Who is a joke. I have to just say, you can't be talking. You went to a board game bar to play Settlers of Catan. But yeah, continue. But Settlers of Catan is a different story. Okay, regardless, regardless. Andy Dalton goes and plays Guess Who with his fiance, which is a joke. But I go up there. I want to say hi to him, you know, because it's Andy Dalton. I go up there. I'm getting a drink. Um like a gin and tonic or something like that. And I'm, about re- I'm ready to say hi to him. I'm dragging my drink. The bartender just handed it to me. Dragging my drink over. And there's like a little lip, like a curb on the bar for whatever reason. That you don't have to scoop your drink over or else it spills. I'm about to say, hey, Andy, what's up, man? I work at PFF. Whatever. I don't know what the fuck I was going to say. I, I pull back the, the drink, hit the curb, and just spill it all over my chest. And I just like, it literally just like soaked. And Andy looks at me. I'm like, I'm going to die. All my friends are laughing at me. It was, uh, it was a rough time. Did you say anything to him? I didn't say anything. I backed out. I completely backed out. What am I supposed to say? Can I have a napkin? I mean, it was, it was kind of Randy rough. Randy Dalton, you just say. <laughs> it was a rough situation for sure. I was not going to roast him for grabbing Guess Who, but that's all I could think of in the back of my head. Damn, dude. I mean, probably still should have said something. I would have still said something. I was soaked in gin and tonic and also shame. It was a combination of shame and gin and tonic. This is far less cooler than my Luke Keekley story. 
No, you're Luke Keekly. Tell the Luke Keekly story. That one's good. I've definitely told that one on the podcast. Oh, are you beat him in cornhole? Yeah, I beat him in cornhole. Pretty sick. This was like week three. It was bye week. It was actually one of the best played cornhole games of my life. It was That's just Eye sick. of the Tiger going up against sweet. Luke Keekly. Very sweet. All right, also, I didn't even recognize him until he's like, I'm Luke. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're Luke Keekly. Um, Not that big I still in think life. in terms of the player stories we've dropped on here, your Pac-Man one's pretty dope. Doing a job, Hennessy with Pac-Man, telling him, and telling him he's the best the man, best man corner. corner I've ever I've ever seen. Incredible, him and Revis. Just I hope, I hope Andy Dalton remembers me. Who the guy who just spilt the drink all over himself? Nope. Andy Dalton and I used to be neighbors. Fun fact, kind mm -hmm. of wow. in Mount Lookout. When I lived in Mount Lookout, you could like walk to his house from my place. That's neighbors. I don't know. That's neighbors. Yeah, walking yeah. distance is neighbors. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the dueling mock draft here. A handful of analysts have been doing this where... Yeah, we're stealing it. We're stealing it. It's fantastic I mean, concept. it's like you put it on tape, you put a concept on tape, it's not yours anymore. It's, it's Copycat ours. League. It's ours now. So It's a copycat league. Just, so like the, the, the concept is you and I are going to draft back and forth and you can't, you have to draft 22 starters. You can't just like, it's not like draft, building a 53-man roster. You're building a 22 starting caliber roster out of the draft class snake style. Snake it. You're going to start, you're going to go pick one, and yeah. I get picks two and three, and then you get, you know, obviously it just keeps going back and forth from there. Yes. So, since I got the first pick, you know where I'm going with this bad boy. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's just, he's the best quarterback in this class. And the incremental change in the quarterback position is worth any other position. It's the most valuable position. I, I mean, but, if you went anywhere else, it would have been weird. Yeah. Okay. So, but now... It's an interesting exercise because I shouldn't go quarterback because you're not going to draft another quarterback. My last know. pick. My last pick is going to be... Justin Fields around a 4-4. Maybe I want him at running back. I'm not going to take Je yeah. Justin Fields anyway. Jeremy Schapp, I mean, he yeah. laid it all you out. You shouldn't even take one first, second, or third. Fair enough. Only oh, that's two true. quarterbacks drafted first, second, or third in the past 50 years have won a Super Bowl with the team that drafted them. Even though Terry Bradshaw was drafted 51 years ago and won like four. And... Eli Manning was drafted number one overall, but was traded that day, and John Elway was too, and they won. Also, four. Tom Brady has won a shitload of them, and like was like an outlier, uh, an outlier of an outlier in terms of who's won Super Bowls and stuff like that. So. And Andrew Luck was like awesome, but he had the worst GM in NFL history running his franchise for a while. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. So. All right, well, I'm not going to go quarterback. Okay. I'm going to go Kyle Smart. Pitts and yes, Jamar so. Chase. I'm going to go Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. We're building, we're building a monster. And um, I'm going to get quarterback at the back end. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm probably targeting either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. It's going to be one of my last picks. But okay. for now, we're adding weaponry. And for, for Kyle Pitts is the obvious selection here. You're not finding, you're not going to, what tight end are you going to take? Firemouth? I mean, it's a disaster over there. Your tight end position is an automatic. I might go upgrade. four wide. Yeah, you, you should go four wide. You might have yeah. to run some 10 out there. All right. Who are you taking? So I am going to go the snake here. I'm going to go. You're not going to like this. I'm going to go Penny Sewell Ugh. as my left tackle. And then, oof. Then I'm going to go Rashawn Slater as my right tackle. Nice. We're building. We're going to protect Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to get to me. I love that. I this. honestly do. So. It's pretty hot. Positional scarcity there. It's fair Those enough. Those two are the most NFL-ready tackles, and I got So them. on my end, though, we're we're yeah. going to go for average along the offensive line. Okay. You know, we're not going to chase the ceiling like you have here with Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Where cool. we are going to chase the ceiling is yeah. weaponry. I'm taking Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. All right. Just going to continue to throw the kitchen sink at you know whatever quarterback I bring in, whether it's Zach Wilson or Justin Fields at the back end of this thing, they're going to be weapons. loaded. Yeah. We're going to be loaded. You got some weapons for them. I respect that. Hmm. Now I am on the clock here with the double up. You know what I'm going to do here? 
think I'm going to. Hmm. I don't know. I, you're 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 a little concerned right now. I can tell. I am a little concerned right Back now. Back against the wall. We're gonna fight that weaponry on the opposite side of the ball, and I'm going to go. J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. That was going to be my pick. If I if you gave those guys back to me of coming. So we're going to have. So now if my roster looks like Trevor Lawrence, I got my two tackles and Penny Sewell and Rayshon Slater, and I got Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, top two cornerbacks on PFF's board. That's hot. Go ahead. Man, that's tough because I was going Sertan and Horn. If you went any other direction, I was going to add those two cornerbacks on the outside. It's tough. It's tough because there's. I mean, those are. Legit, the two best outside cornerbacks in this class. I mean, when you consider for Caleb Farley's injury. Obviously, I'm considering Farley here. I think I want to get there at corner. You could add him as your third piece there, and I'd be screwed. Mm -hmm. Talk about a lineup. You go Farley, Horn, and Sertan. Kind of build something on the back end. I kind of like it. Hmm. Maybe I do. Maybe he does. Looking here, I might go. This is tough. This is really tough. Now, now I gotta. Now I'm starting to consider scheme. You know, what, what, what kind of scheme am I gonna be running? I don't know if I want to run a man-heavy scheme. I think I might be might be trending a different direction here. Yeah, you might you might have to run cover two at this point. Yeah, what's gonna be on this the board for ugly. you? This is ugly. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go. You great. also might be missing your pick with how long this is taking you. I'm gonna go. You just took forever on yours. I'm gonna go. That's Greg, not even true. I'm gonna go. Greg Newsom and Caleb Farley. I'm also gonna attack the cornerback position. And I know you're not gonna take cornerback for a while. That's fine. I get that. But I still don't. I know you still got to fill the slot. That's cool. Some some people can play these corners at safety. I'm taking Greg Newsom of Northwestern and Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech. And I think to pause here, my team, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, and then the two corners, Greg Newsom and Caleb Farley, not targeting tackle because I don't think you're going to go after those guys for a while. I'm not taking quarterback because I don't, obviously you're not going to take another quarterback with your 22 starters, but that's where my mind is right now. Yes. I, I'm going to... I'm trying to think here. I'm probably going to go... Again, I'm going scarce positions right now, and I'm going to go Christian Barmore and Micah Parsons. Nice. Off the board, because there's not another DT close to Barmore. Mm -hmm. And what Micah Parsons brings to the table, there's not another linebacker that brings that. So there you go. I think that's I'm fair. playing man coverage, mm -hmm. so I need a guy blitzing. Press man blitz is my preferred. My I got Brian Flores calling plays for me. I like that. I like that. All right, I think I'm going to go – I'm going to chase a little positional scarcity here as well. My first pick is going to be Trayvon Morick, the only first-round safety in this class. going to play deep safety with him. Cool. And then I'm going to take best slot cornerback prospect in this class, who could also play on the outside in the pinch, Asante Samuel Jr. of Florida State, taking him as well. Damn. Damn. That's secondary. Check out my secondary right now. Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley, Asante well, Samuel Jr., and Trayvon Morick. I can't wait for you to pick like Andre Sisco as your deep safety in this class. No. Coming off injury, too. Might actually might grab Cisco. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think here. You know where I'm going to go? I'm going to go one guy in need. I'm going to go Jeremiah Wusakormo. Damn, that's where I was heading next. So I'm playing that much man coverage. I need him on my tight ends or slot receivers or wherever because mm -hmm. he can do it all. And then also, you're kind of sleeping on this tackle class. I'm going to snap Christian Darisaw to play guard for me. I like that, honestly. It's a fair take. It's a fair take. Good luck building a good offensive line without any now guy you feel confident playing offense tackle for you dude i'm saying dylan radens and tevin jenkins are you kidding i mean that's pass pro could be an issue there that's not going to be that big of an issue especially I mean, when i, I take the best, best i got the three best pass protectors in the class right now especially when i take the best edge defenders in this class real quick i'm gonna take quitty pay okay see but here's the thing this this team's playing right now i don't think any of those edge defenders are getting home consistently against slater or sewell they're just not 
They might. They're just not. We're going to dial it up. We're going to dial it up. I'm going to take Jason Owe as well. Quiddy Pay, Jason Owe, off the board. All right, so to recap here a little bit, my team is Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, and then I have Penny Sewell, Christian Darisaw, Rashawn Slater along my offensive line. Defensively, I got my linebacker position filled with Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Wuskarmoa, and my cornerback position filled with Pat Shurtan, J.C. Horn, and I also got the best DT in the class, Christian Barmore. So you're kind of in trouble. I'm not in say. trouble, dude. I, I'm, I'm the opposite. Of, you know how quickly I'm going to be getting the ball out with Jamar Chase, Jalen Wall, Devontae Smith, and Pitts? I don't even know if I need to pass protect. Uh, ball's coming out secondary. quick. Um, I, by secondaries, you're going to get off J.C. Horn that quickly? Yes. Mr. Tans press? Dude, we can call for like three DPIs a game. All right. We're gonna, I'm trying to think here. What is my best? I don't really want to go back to edge. I think I'm going to go, since you still need a safety... And you still do need offensive line help, though, too. And I could – I'm going to – it's my pick, right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to get Tevin Jenkins to play right guard for me. Dude, that was kind of brutal. Um, And then I'm going to get Elijah Vera Tucker to play center. <laughs> Dude, you built in the trenches, man. That offensive line is stacked. Yeah. Penesul, Christian Derrissaw, Elijah, Elijah Vera Tucker, Tevin, Tevin Jenkins, and Rashawn Slater. Slater. That's brutal. That's yep. brutal. So now you filled offensive line. So I'm not touching it. I'm not touching offensive line for the rest of this one. I'm not touching quarterback, running back. I could go defensive interior. Did take Barmore, though. Feels like a reach. Hmm. Ouch. I'm trying to think here. I outstrategized you so hard. No, you did not. I did. I did. Absolutely not. Sorry, I'm going to get like legit starters here. All right, I'm going to take... Your O-line is going to suck, is all I'm saying. No, it's not. Your offensive line is going to suck. Dylan Raiden, Sam Cosme, a tackle is who I'm going to take. Okay. I still have Landon Dickerson there, best center in the class. I also have um, has a torn ACL. Alex Alex Leatherwood, who could play guard for me okay. easily, and Jackson Carmen, a guy we also like. Those are all legit caliber players. I, I don't know what you're talking about here. All right, I'm gonna take Jamar Johnson and Carlos Basham Jr. to play defensive interior. Oh, I like that pick. I like that call. Getting him. All right. I got what positions do I could I still use here? The rare ones. I got a really good O line. Don't need to necessarily go edge. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Javante Williams. Nice running back. Nice. And then I'm gonna get grab Javante Williams RB1. Are you getting behind RB1, Javante Williams? Yes. Really? Yes. Is that going to be an update to the big board? Possibly. Oh, man. And then, gosh, the only position that we both need right now is currently defensive tackle. So I guess I got to go there. Yeah, that makes sense from a strategy standpoint. Yeah. And I'm going to grab – this one's tough. There's, it's really like DT2 in this is really not doing much for me, but I'm going to go with Lee McNeil. Damn. That's where I was heading so next. So I get a nose as well as my – all right, and now it's just filling out because we don't have any overlapping positions. Yeah, yeah, it's just filling out. So I guess I'll just start filling out the offensive line here. I think I'm going to go Dylan Radins, left tackle. Ouch. I'm going to go – or no, I'm going to go Sam Cosby, left tackle. Okay. And I'm going to go Dylan Radins, right tackle. That would be my two picks. That's so just filling out positions here. All right, I'm going to go – And I'm really fine with both those tackles. Like, what? Right, go ahead. Dude, be fine with that. That's cool. That's cool for you. Uh, I'm going to go Aaron Robinson. 
if I'm playing press man, he is the best press man slot That's a great corner fit for your team. in this class. The UCF cornerback. And then let's see. Edge guy, or oh, let me start grabbing some wide receivers. Give me Rashad Bateman as well. Fill out my wide receiver room. All right, let's see here. I will take Nick Bolton, linebacker, and Jabril Cox at linebacker. Oh, my linebacker. Nick Bolton, Jabril Cox, you love to see that linebacker core right bad. there. It's not bad. All right, I'm going to then stick at wide receiver. We'll get Elijah Moore, mm -hmm. and we will grab Terrace Marshall as well. There we go. Okay. Now I'm picking Alex Leatherwood to play guard for me. He played right guard as a sophomore. Yep. And I will take, I guess I only need to fill. Hmm. Alex Leatherwood at right guard. And honestly, I'll take Jackson Carmen to come in and play left guard. The dude. tackle from Clemson. The ta dude, look at this athleticism I have along the offensive line here. Raidens, Cosme, Carmen, and Leatherwood. Dude, those are some dogs. I, I, you you keep saying your office line's a juggernaut, but I, I really, really like is, where though. I'm at. I really <laughs> like where I'm at. I like where I'm at. All right. I have – oh, man, you left me – you left me Jalen Phillips and Aziz Ojolari on the edge. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. The, those the might edge... be the two most NFL-ready guys, too. If we're talking about guys who are just like, tomorrow, I'm playing football. Yeah, I heard – I don't know, man. That's what I'm going know. I like it. I went. I, I guess I just. I definitely chased the ceiling at the edge with Quiddy Pay yeah. and Jason Oway. All right. I guess I only have three more positions to fill here. You got center, running back, and quarterback left for you. All right. I'm gonna take Landon Dickerson at center, and I'm gonna take Zach Wilson at QB. There you go. All right. I got safety. I got to fill all my safeties final here. I'm gonna go Richie Grant, and ooh, who I want. I'll go Richie Grant, Javon Holland. Ooh, I love Javon Holland. Let's go those two. My nice. 60s. And I still got tight end left. Sadly. Um, I guess I have, have go, I have running back and D tackle now. I kind of wish I took Jamin Davis at linebacker. All right. Ouch. Um, I'm going to go Marvin Wilson, DT. Probably my lowest ranked position here. And then running back, I'm going to go Najee. Najee at running back. All right. Respect. He's going he's gonna to get... I can get anything behind that O line you built for him. Dude, you keep hating on this O line; it's absolutely solid. It's not that great. It is great. All right, and then for tight end, we'll go with Pat. Ooh, wait. Let me think. I'm thinking. You gonna play a wide receiver instead? No, we're gonna go Tommy Tremble at tight end. Dude, you're a disaster. That was the worst pick I've seen. That was Tommy such Tremble. a homer pick. That was such a homer such pick. a homer pick from we're not gonna, Notre Dame alum Mike Renner. We're gonna go Tommy Tremble. All right, let's recap Best our in teams. Blocker. Let's recap our teams. I'll start. He's the best blocker. Zach Wilson to QB. Obvious decision. QB2 in this class. Running back, Najee Harris. Arguably the best running back in this class. It's going to be Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, and Najee Harris. Receiver, this, this receiving room is nuts. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. The three best receivers in this it's class. It's kind of nuts. And then, nuts. and then Kyle Pitts. I also yeah. have Kyle Pitts. Yeah. That is, and then the offensive line, you call it a weakness compared to yours. Someone had to do it. Sam Cosme and Dylan Radins at tackle. Jackson Carmen and Alex Elwood at guards. And then Landon Dickerson at center. I like that especially with how quickly my guys are getting open. Defensively, okay. I don't love my defensive line. In hindsight, I, I took a lot of risk here. Yeah, Marvin Wilson and Carlos Basham Jr. at defensive tackle. Quiddy Pay and Jason Oway along the edge. Th that could be a bust. The, all four of those guys could bust. I mean, <laughs> those guys 
getting blocked by my offensive line. It's, it's not going to go well, dude. It's I don't tough. love my defensive line. Linebacker, yeah. Nick Bolton, Bill Cox, I'm fine there. And then I really like my secondary play of zone-heavy scheme. Yeah. Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley, Asante Samuel Jr., the three corners. And then at safety, Trayvon Morgan, Jamar Johnson. That yeah. is you play a, a, studly, a studly zone secondary. Yeah, I built a man secondary, as one does. But my team, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Running back Javante Williams, North Carolina guy. Wide receivers Rashad Bateman, Minnesota, Elijah Moore playing the slot from Ole Miss, and then Terrace Marshall from LSU on the outside. I like that. They're going to struggle against don't, the secondary, though. Don't love it. I don't think they're going to struggle against that secondary. There's some nice catch radii there from my outside receivers going up against your zone team. Tommy Tremble, my inline blocker, going to be a move tight end for me. Especially, he's going to be he's going to do well behind this offensive line where it's Penny Sewell left tackle, Christian Darrisaw left guard, Elijah Vera Tucker at center, Tevin Jenkins at right guard, and Rashawn Slater at right tackle. My lord, huh. I might even I might even put flip that Slater to center, Jenkins out to right tackle, and then Vera Tucker to guard. Slater we'll to see. center, interesting. Center, like I said third. Most well, let him play position. it out in camp. Yeah, we'll see. And then defensive line, Christian Barmore, Lee McNeil. That's hot. Top two DTs on the PFF board. Edge, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari. Linebacker, Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Uskormo. That's where I get you. The front there. seven. My I mean, front you, seven you built is, up in the trenches, man. Your trenches are hot. My linebacker position, those guys are very complimentary, too, in their skill sets. And that Parsons can blitz like a monster. Play the run like a monster. Jeremiah Uskormo is just going to fly. Sideline, sideline. Give my coverage guy. And then secondary, Patrick Tan, J.C. Horn. Aaron Robinson, three press corners, Richie Grant, Javon Holland on the back end. Safety from UCF, safety from Oregon. Here are my We're immediate have to thoughts. have you guys vote. Yeah, we'll take some votes. Yeah. Take, put some votes in the YouTube comments and or the Apple podcast. We'll we we'll need tweet. to get the uh, social guys to make a yeah. graphic. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a graphic going out. too. We'll get a graphic going too. I think the other thing I'll say here is how would I, ta- how would I attack your, your defense? I'm going to put Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith on the outside. Okay. And I'm going to put Jamar Chase in the slot and just have him just take Aaron Robinson to town. I'm going to say, hey, we're going to give him 20 targets this game. <laughs> and it's just going to be a, it's going to be bully ball. And Aaron Robinson's going to be crying to his mom at the end. That, that's the problem. And then defensively, we're just going to have to play conservative. Because I don't, I don't think we're getting – I mean, the, the offensive line's absurd. I think we have to play conservative and just make you, you know, inch by inch us a little bit. Yeah. Inch, but, and you got some yak types. You got some yak types on, on the offense there. But I still think – we're gonna, we're gonna give you. It's gonna be death by paper cuts on D. Death by paper cuts on D. We can't I get feel, aggressive. I feel good about. I feel good about my roster. I'll say that. <laughs> cool, man. Um, that is gonna do it for the. Um, t- any 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 second guesses? Anything? Any what what pick do you regret the most? Tommy Tremble at tight end. <laughs> that was just. I mean, it could have been Pat Fryer, but like, I I went Tommy Tremble because I think he is a great blocker, mm-hmm. and I got black adding him to this offensive line and basically his versatility. I'm going to run the ball. Yeah. I'm going to run the ball a little bit on you. I think the picks I regret the most is honestly how I address the defensive line. Like I took edge first and I still don't love what I did. And I think that really does like speak to this edge class. It's like the best guys in this class, first two ranked guys are Quiddy Pay and Jason Oway. But yeah. both those guys have, I mean, we talked to Nate Tice, the interviews coming up on the show and he talks about tiering prospects as star starter bench bust. The bust potential for an OA is higher than potentially, you know, an Azizo Jalara. I just feel like I, I took some risks. I swung heavy. Yeah. I, see, I, I went, I saw there were two, there's two like kind of deep classes in the edge class and the tack class. Mm-hmm. One of them I could start to double up at. And I thought, I was hoping you would think that I would not go for the secondary tackles after mm-hmm. I drafted two tackles, that I'd be done with tackle. Yeah. You could wait. But no, 
can always kick good tackle and a guard, and usually they'll play well there too. So that's I think that was that smart. Was my, I think your smartest decision was hey, fleece you there. Yeah, yeah. Was hey, you think I'm not taking tackles again? I'm gonna take Tevin Jenkins and I'm gonna take Darrisaw and playing the guard. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was hard to watch, honestly, as that unfolded. I think um, my best decision, I think, is how I address the weapons. I mean, you're not gonna. Yeah, find... that was that's. I had clearly have far worse weapons, and it's not. It's. You're, that's a tough trio. If these teams were going head to head week one, what do you think the line is? I don't know. Mike, you want to set the line for us? Who's What's the line? I'm going to say. I'm the home team. Okay. That's, that's worth considering. I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say. If you're the home team, I'm going to say you minus two and a half. I would say I me. Think, I, I think throwing the ball over yeah. the yard is is with Zach Wilson and all those in Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. I think that's going to be with tough me stuff. at home. Where I place the line is AG minus one. I think that I, I think because Trevor Lawrence, I do think matters. Yeah. I mean, we kind of overlooked that a little bit. That's that matters. And also the trenches. I like what you have on D. I think minus one. If I'm the home team, is probably where I put this. I was debating which one's better, first pick or second pick, because second pick you get the weapons, you get the Kyle Pitts advantage, and then you also get the the first wrap advantage where you get the, the double up right after so well we'll have to get votes on social yeah. i'll get this out to the graphics team so they can build out our teams and we'll see which teams they like more should be fun and until then let's go ahead and jump now to the interview with nate tice of the athletic and bleach report <sighs> now joining two four drafts is current host or i guess you know part-time affiliate you can hear him on the athletic football show with robert mays all the time he's also doing the draft rankings for bleach report it is nate tice on twitter at nate underscore tice also let's get the background a little bit you coached in the collegiate ranks for a little bit also in the nfl your son of former right. nfl offensive line coach mike tice a guy i love i was a raiders fan growing up uh, nate i was a big raiders fan growing up and i loved what he was doing in the trenches with gabe jackson and rodney hudson that was uh that was a lot of fun man i was a, i was a big fan of uh mike tice's work for sure but um great to have you on the show i'd love to hear more about the background though yeah no and yeah that raiders line is basically if you want to see my dad's idealized version of an offensive line that's <laughs> it right there <laughs> big tough and gritty and athletic you know and with a mindset that they're going to bury people every game uh but no i yeah i i lived in minnesota you know when my dad was coaching there i well, my freshman year i went to ucf and transferred to wisconsin after that and i my claim to fame is i was russell wilson's third string backup <laughs> um, and but the whole time I knew I was going to get into coaching and anything of that sort or, or something with football I, I knew I loved the game and just not just the playing it but just all the aspects of it just what I like I like sports in general uh, I mean I I watch everything I, I like watching the best of the best compete at whatever they're doing and so football is just one of those um, but after that I, I was a GA uh, office GA for Paul Christ he was my office coordinator at Wisconsin and then he had the head job at Pitt before he went back to Wisconsin learned a ton from him that's probably one the guy I've learned the most of football is from him um, my dad excluded uh, but then you know from there I got the opportunity to scout uh, for the Atlanta Falcons I was a scouting assistant and pro scout uh, just did, you know, did, did some pro scout stuff. And I, I kind of really wanted to see if I can get back into coaching. And I had the opportunity to work with my dad uh, with the Raiders. And I was an offense assistant there, quality, quality control coach. I always stutter on that for whatever reason. And, you know, I was assistant quarterbacks. Uh, I did the AAF, the Atlanta Legends for a year. That was, that was, uh, I learned a lot. I'll say that, <laughs> I'll, I'll sugarcoat it. I learned a lot from the AAF but uh yeah but once that kind of ended I was like all right I'm not affiliated with a team for the first time in my entire life my dad's not affiliated with the team first time in my life 
let's try this whole Twitter thing. <laughs> and yeah, I, I had a Twitter that always just kind of like stuff, but never like tweet my own thoughts and had a lot of useless knowledge. And I was just like, all right, let's just kind of like tweet it out and start tweeting football stuff. And yeah, here I am on the PFF NFL pod. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Later. That's awesome. I, I mean, it's led to some awesome work, dude. I think you do a lot of fantastic stuff, not just for Twitter, the athletic football show, Bleach Report now benefiting from that quote unquote useless knowledge that you do have, <laughs> bringing it to the table and doing some draft rankings for them. Before we get into some of your rankings, I feel like the most common or dominant conversation in the NFL draft right now is what in the hell are the San Francisco 49ers doing at number three overall? We've seen betting markets swing in the direction of Mac Jones. I think he's minus 200. I know you're a betting man yourself. Where are you placing your bet on San Francisco? Where do you think from what you're hearing, where do you think the San Francisco 49ers do go? And then what do you feel like actually is their best choice if you were making that selection? Okay, I'll go best choice first. That's, you know, if, if the Jets do go Zach Wilson, which it looks like, what is he, like minus 600 or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two pick. Yeah. Okay. Justin Fields. I mean, I'll just straight up just say it right here, then there. I just think just Fields is just, he's scheme proof. I, I, I think he just makes all the sense in the world as far as smarts, accuracy, throwing on the move. I mean, just everything. I mean, he does everything well, uh, uh, and including he brings in an aggressive skill set and toughness that maybe the 49ers have lacked uh, uh, in their offense, you know, especially attacking downfield. That's always funny with the Jimmy G numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's like, oh, yeah, he's one of the best on deep ball throws, and it's like sample size 12. <laughs> so it's like that's where Justin Fields would bring that aggression to him. That's where I would go. Um, I am not – affiliated with the team so uh but i i just that the universal uh how everybody is just so sure it's mac jones almost has me kind of leaning the other way that it's not mac jones if that like it's just too universal i i hate when everybody's just say oh yeah it's mac yeah it's mac jones i talked to somebody it's mac jones and it's just like that's weird to me to just have that sincerity on a guy that like and also just the trading up for the pick and what they gave up to get take a mac jones who knows? Maybe, you know, Kyle might be, you know, just, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to handle this. And I like this guy. I couldn't get him at 12 because somebody else liked him like the Panthers or something. And that's, it is what it is, but I, I don't get it at three. I, I like Mac Jones. I, I, he's a guy that when I was watching his film, I, I was, I liked him so much more than I thought I would. Um, I thought he was going to be a classic, like second, third rounder that just had a great team around him. Like, you know, I was like basically better Ken Dorsey or some shit. Oh, sorry. Can I swear? You can absolutely um, but, swear. The two point draft yeah, podcast uh, is a swear friendly podcast. Yeah, I know. I know. I just never know which ones are, is a PG 13 or PG. So that, <laughs> um, so that's yeah. With, with, with that, it's just like, I, I did like, him. like I have an early second round grade on him. You give the half round inflation that you give quarterbacks. That's a mid to late first round pick. That's just how it goes in the NFL. That made all the sense in the world to me. And my three doesn't, uh, but who knows? I mean, NFL does wacky things and all that. I just, now it's funny that you brought it. It's minus 200. I had literally had just said someone to yesterday when I was just talking about this, like how I feel like it's smoke screens or something weird, something's off. And I was like, what's, oh, what's Mac Jones at? I think he was like plus 120 or 140 or 150, somewhere in that range. And I was like, that's more of like a betting than someone in the know. Because mm-hmm. if they're in the know, it'd be a minus something or another. Now that's minus 200. I'm like, everything I just said, oh, that might just, that probably is just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your quarterback rankings go Trevor Lawrence one, Justin Fields two, Trey Lance three, Zach Wilson four, and Mac Jones five. And it looks like you kind of have tiers of Lance Fields and then a tier and then or excuse me, Lawrence Fields, tier, Lance Wilson, tier, Mac Jones would be how yep. it looks like you rank them. Why are you low on Zach Wilson compared to it seems like everyone and their mother wants him number two overall right now? And that's the thing is like it's 
these guys are all legit. <laughs> I mean, the four guys, like if you are going to take guys in the top 10, it's like, this is the greatest class I've seen. I mean, that that's what's so funny is like, you, I still like him. Like I still yeah. love the accuracy and all the movement stuff and, and just that those, those wow throws. I mean, I get the love for him. My concerns with him and really is some of the size stuff, not so much the height. And this, this is kind of be a couple parts here, but it's not so much the height. It's more of the, uh, the size, like weight. He weighed in just, I think he weighed 212 or 214, somewhere around there on pro day. He looks like he's 205. He's built almost like how Derek Carr's built. And Derek, sometimes he weighed heavy at the combine, but then really when he was playing, he was like 205, you know, 207. And I always have issues with quarterbacks weighing under 210. Um, just, you know, just what I've seen in the NFL, like you might have an aggressive guy, but those weights matter because you have a big defensive lineman just grabbing you or knocking you. And that's, you get knocked off the point more than you would want. That's the, when you say big and strong in the pocket, like, that's where the benefit of that is. And I think that's more needed in the NFL now. It's just having that big athletic body that can withstand some of those bouncy, but not just taking a shot, but just more of those kind of bounce and move off the spot uh, when that happens in the pocket. So that that's where some of the concerns is. And also when people, I, I, I was seeing, oh, he's going to walk in and have a top five arm in the league. I don't see that. I, I think he throws a beautiful deep ball, probably the best in the class. Like, I mean, absolutely gorgeous deep ball. And that's where... I think the difference in arm strength comes into, into consideration where Wilson, me throwing through a wall arm strength and me throwing at 80 yards downfield arm strength. Wilson has the deep ball arm strength, but then me throwing through a wall, I think he's more just good. I, I see a lot of those field throws dipping and it's not the end of the road. He throws a pretty good timing, great accuracy, you know, very good accuracy. It's just, I don't see that rare arm that people are talking about. And I think a lot of it is a stylistic like that people like <laughs> with him. Um, you know, he's sitting in the pocket and it's like one read. Okay. He has the single read issue more than Fields does, I think. And then also, you know, breaking out of that and like, you know, playing ad lib, but, you know, playing street ball, which is fine. It's fine. It's fine when you're playing, you know, the Houston's of the world and, and those type that schedule, but it's like, that's hard to take, you're going to take a lot of hits if you play that way. And you have to be, a, you know, that's where those size concerns, actually, I have more than maybe other people do. Because I just, if you look at quarterbacks that weighed under 210, the only ones that really have succeeded are the rare athletes, like the Vic and the Lamars of the world, and like Mark Bolger. Like, that's like it. And he was like a six-round pick. And, you know, so that's where that's kind of like, oh, you know, that that if you want to talk about outliers, we can talk about Devontae Smith later. This is still a quarterback outlier as far as size. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get back to the conversation with Mac Jones a little bit. And if, you know, if San Francisco is putting in the card or turning in the card with Mac Jones and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are wanting, obviously wanting Mac Jones ahead of Justin Fields and Trey Lance, what, if you had to get in their minds, do they see Mac Jones better at than Justin Fields? Is it all processing and that anticipatory throwing that we do see on Mac Jones tape? Because you could argue that Mac Jones and Justin Fields are similarly accurate. I mean, from PFS numbers, it's very close. If not Justin Fields being better, obviously Justin Fields is the better arm talent, the better athlete, better off structure, all these different things. What exactly if Shanahan and Lynch are all in on Jones, do they see that's actually better than a Fields or a Lance? Yeah, uh, the accuracy part, that's such a great point with Fields because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I know. that's If, people, if you are an analyst, if you're an analyst that's that, saying Justin Fields is not accurate, it's like, what are we doing here? What are, what are you watching? What, what are, yeah, exactly. What are you watching? Every, every type of throw, too. Exactly. Like deep throw, intermediate, 
falling down on him naked, like just put it right on the spot. Like yeah, just consistent. That's that's the thing. And Mac Mac is super accurate too. I actually think I did give him the most accurate label, and that's kind of it was split in hairs. I mean, it, it, I think it's one A one B as far as accuracy. What I think the appeal with Mac is, and why he had that late rise, is so many coaches have now started to watch him and go, man, this guy he's going he's going exactly where he needs to with every single throw, but it's an RPO heavy system where he only has to make the one read. He's reading just the will. He's reading just the safety. And, and it, it but that's, it's kind of like, it's a negative and a positive. He operates the best he can in that system, but then can he operate with more? Um, that's an issue. You see him a lot. You can tell his IQ is, is great because there's a lot of times where he's fixing guys. They do a lot of motion and you can tell, you can see the receiver running back glance at him going like, what, what I got here. And he, he right away fixes it as he's doing the cadence. Like he's fixing stuff and then just catching the ball. And it's like, yeah, I think that's the appeal of them is a lot of coaches see that kind of stuff where they interviewed him. And he probably not, you know, he's probably great on the whiteboard and probably just can tell you every single answer. That's, that's the kind of thing why I think a lot of coaches or uh, people in the NFL like watching Saints film is Drew Brees. You knew every, you could steal their concepts because Drew Brees was going to go with the ball exactly where, where it should go every single time. And it was tangible concepts you could steal. Um, I think that's the appeal of Mac Jones is that like when you watch the Alabama offense, he's going to the wide open guy every single time. He knew exactly where to go with the ball every single time. And he placed it extremely well. I compared him to Chad Pennington. And that's that's my comparison for him, though. They're like that is what I see his upside, what I see what type of player he is. Like that is really what kind of career I see him having where it's like, man, this guy's ultra efficient. Oh, my God, look at him just optimize all the weapons he has around him but then when he has to create when maybe the offense doesn't have everything he needs it's like all right he's capped out as the eighth best quarterback so that's that's kind of how i feel about him all right i wanted to kick it to now your wide receiver rankings on the bleacher okay. report article so this was written on april 1st is rashad bateman a wide receiver two an april fool's joke i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was so – oh, my God. That was the worst timing for that, too, by the way. April Fools, and he had his pro day that day where yeah. he weighed in at 190. So, yeah, that was great. That was great. I love that. <laughs> no, but just talk to us. Why Rashad Bateman, wide receiver two? You have Devonta Smith, one. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver two. And then Chase Waddle, three, four. Most people – like, the consensus seemingly across the board is the Smith-Chase Waddle is their tier, but you have Rashad Bateman firmly at number two inside of that tier. Yeah, and – all four of those receivers. So uh, uh, just my one caveat is I do look at guys in tiers and it's because receivers is so situation dependent, yeah. uh, not just, I mean, the scheme you run is also what the quarterback's good at. What else you have in your receiver room? So that's, that's my one, like kind of cop out, but why I have Bateman over chase is I think no matter what he, he his traits or his traits, his skill set translates so easily to the NFL level. It's just, I mean, not only just route running and technician and just his improvement. He's super young. I mean, he's only a couple months younger than Chase or older than Chase. It's not, we keep bringing up Chase's age. It's like, okay, what about Rashad Bateman? He's only a couple months younger, older than him. So that is something I've just seen. His game has progressed every single year. His freshman year is vertical, vertical, vertical. Second year is vertical intermediate. A couple more, more things, slants, everything. Third year, slot stuff and working from there. That's actually what appealed to me. His 2019 tape was outstanding and then his 2020 tape which is lesser and he had drops doesn't look as explosive but then he's doing all these like crafty technician things from the slot 
at, at you know a decent size. You know the 190 thing was a little concerning, but I thought he was going to weigh 198, 200. Um, he has 33 inch arms, which I think is what caused maybe the you know the size thing. Like even like we're all like, oh, isn't he bigger? And it's just kind of crazy to see his height and weight. But I, I still I just think no matter what, like he has the upside of working to to being a true number one X, which is so hard to find in the NFL, and also his floor is like a good number two. Like, I just think he, I, I look at a lot of prospects and I've gotten this from some basketball guys is star starter, you know, bench bust, you know, basically four kind of categories. I'm sure you guys are aware as well. It's, you can get into subsections from there, a super role player, you know, an all, uh, average starter or a good starter, but just more or less like what are the percentages that each guy's going to finish at one spot. And I just think Bateman's starter threshold is just so large you know and then and then he has but he still has the potential to increase that and be a star player like in a legit x in the nfl i'm a huge fan and why i kind of gave him the bump over chase is i i do have a couple concerns with chase and i i he's a great player don't get me wrong like so just let's start with that he just um i i don't see the generational tag that a lot of people have given him I, I am a big believer if you're taking a receiver in the top 10 that guy better be the one percentile athlete the freak of freaks Chase tested well, but then the size, how his play style of that bully ball receiver at 200 pounds and six foot with 30, 30 inch arms, 30 inch change arms, that concerns me a little bit. And it's not that he's a, he's not a route running te technician. He's a good route runner though. And his body control is outstanding. And that's what you can see, but he still has room to work. Like he still has to work on his routes. Like he does, like he didn't run an extended route tree at LSU. He did run some routes, like decent. It wasn't just slants and everything. So that is a little bit of concerns I had with Chase. I just think his kind of, he doesn't maybe have as much, uh, like maybe his uh, starter as opposed to bench is kind of like bench is a little bigger, like, or as far as like, I could see him struggling a little bit more than I think people realize. And, but, but then he has the excellent hand-eye coordination and body control. And it's just like, you can see the appeal there. Um, I just think Bateman can turn into a better overall NFL player than Chase could, or at least maybe have a higher percentage of that. Another wide receiver take I wanted to get your opinion on is you're, you're compared to the consensus, I think, low on Kadarius Tony, And I do think <laughs> yeah. that, you know, you look at, you know, we were talking to Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper. He's kind of becoming, and not for PFF, but for these other guys, that wide receiver four, wide receiver five for a lot of teams. A lot of teams see him as the wide receiver four, or not teams, media analysts see him as the wide receiver four or the wide receiver five. And I, I, I thought I was low on Kadarius Tony, seeing him as more of a second round type of player, Maybe you know, maybe even falling to the third round. But you, you, my friend, you have him very low on your rankings. You see him a lot lower as a gadget player. Talk to me about you know your analysis of Kadarius Tony, where you ultimately would take him off the board. No, I, exactly where you said, late second, early third. That's where I, I kind of have him. I think it's a deep receiver class. So even though I, I believe I have him receiver twelve, I think at this point he's going to get a little bit of a bump, maybe eleven to ten, a couple of other guys. Uh, uh, kind of drop for me as I watch more film and testing and all that. Mm -hmm. But I. I don't, I would, I think he has so much kind of risk with him. Yeah. Uh, he has a lot of bust potential. If we're talking about starter star bench bust, he has a huge bust potential. Um, I just don't see him. If he goes, he goes early, say he did go in the twenties or goes in the, you know, the thirties or somewhere in that he's going to get force fed touches. And he's not a guy that's going to benefit from that. Where as far as down the field, he doesn't catch things in the flow of play. Um, I'm always going to have concerns with guys that need gadget stuff, especially in college. He's a senior also. And it's funny. It's like he measured in only an inch shorter than like Chasen and, and, and uh, Bateman did, but he plays so much smaller that, you yeah. know, I was actually shocked. I was like, Oh wow, he is five eleven. Um, 
I think my concerns with him is just he's a senior who didn't have production until a senior, and also just all those routes he ad libs a lot of stuff. And you know he had good coaching at Florida. He has Dan Mullen there. Their offensive coordinator is now with the Eagles uh, as the quarterback coach. Like you know that he was getting decent coaching. So it, some teams you watch a guy and you're like, well, you know the guy is probably just telling him to run go balls, and he probably runs two routes. Tony has all those concerns. I, I brought up an example with Robert on our podcast was uh, uh, a, a clip against Georgia where he ran a choice route and he broke the wrong way. And it wasn't just that he broke the wrong way. I get that. It was just everything that came with that. It was a high leverage third, third down situation. Um, you know, they designed this play for him. They put him in the backfield. They, you know, all week, they, he only has two choices. You break in or you break out. And, and he still broke in. And not only did he break in, he ran around the, the, the route long. Like it was, it's usually about four yards you break on that. He's at like seven because he's so worried about juking the linebacker he's doing it on. And then also there's help on the inside and he breaks out, he breaks in when he should be breaking out. And poor Kyle Trask is sitting there just going, please break, please break, please break. And he just gets whacked in the face as he's like, as he's trying, he just flutters the ball away and it's fourth down, they have a punt. And I, I know it's just one play, but that, there was a lot of plays in that Georgia game that I was just like, ooh, geez, like just it kept, keeps cropping up. I still say I get the star quality with him. Like it's, I mean, he is dynamite with the ball in his hands. Like he has rare movement skills and bend and just all, I mean, it's freaky, really freaky at times. It's just, I think there's just, he has, he needs a lot of work and he's not, a, I, I just th don't think uh, where teams are looking at him makes sense a lot to me. And that's why I kind of gauge him in that late second, early third is because that's where I would tolerate him. I, I think that's where he can have room to grow and turn into more of an every down player. Cause right now I just think he comes in, he's just a situational guy and a guy that it will get frustrating when, if he keeps trying to add lip stuff and, and doing his own thing and you can coach that, but you know, he's a senior doing that. And that's, that's a little concerning. Definitely has some big Braxton Miller energy as a route runner. That is for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Last guy I want to touch on here. And it's not a wide receiver. It is the tight end, but you can call him a wide receiver. It's Kyle Pitts. He has your highest grade of any of the wide receivers slash tight ends at a 9.1. One, how good is this guy historically in terms of just tight ends that we've ever seen? And two, are you taking him in this draft before any other position player? Oh, wow. Uh, if that if I, if I were the Bengals or Dolphins at five or six, I, I would take him. I, I just think he makes sense for where they're at. I actually was just talking to Bill Barnwell. It's just that I... I think with, with Pitts, it's the concerns that you usually have with these top tight ends, uh, you don't have with him. He, he, he produces from in line. So he's not just split out and playing glorified receiver like an Eric Ebron. Um, he is actually, I, he's not a good blocker, but he shows the fight and he knows where to go every time uh, the ball snapped. Like there's no wavering eyes because he doesn't want to block. There's a lot of tight ends that uh, uh, seem to forget their assignments, quote unquote, uh, when they have to block a DN or someone big and he doesn't seem to do that. He doesn't back down. He, he came legally drink yet. So it's like, okay, he still has room to grow and he's long. He can get to 250 and change easy. Like, I mean, that's just an easy projection right there. Um, I, I just think he has those rare, that rare skill set because he's an actual football player. It's not traits. It's, it's actually him dominating college football every single play. And that is, that's what why he has a top grade. It's that you want that consistency. You don't want just, oh, there's that flash of a good play. Oh, he had two drops. Pitts doesn't have drops issues. He he wants the block. So, okay, that's already two usual concerns you have with the tight end. 
and then he's on a different level as an athlete. He tested incredibly. It's just like, it's just everything that you need. And yeah, okay, the blocking is going to be the concern right away. He might struggle at first. And the, I, I, I think he's a guy that first couple of weeks this season, it's like, oh, wow, Kyle Pitts isn't doing anything. And then he has a bye week where he kind of settles. And then after the bye week, he just kind of and blows up in the second half of the year. And it's just, he just doesn't have those negatives. I've, I've seen with other tight ends, like starting with Vernon Davis onwards. It's just a lot of those guys either have drop issues, they can't block. Or, or a TJ Hawkinson, who's more of a complete player, doesn't have the athletic, athletic skill yep. set that a Kyle Pitts does. The dynamism, man. If you don't have dynamism at the tight end position, it's hard to really justify taking him inside the top five, top ten. You combine, obviously, Kyle Pitts' rare measurables, rare traits, and then he actually dominated in college football. It showed up. Yep. Play in, play out, it showed up. You see a lot of the times with these rare athletes or these rare explosive dynamic players, it not show up down to down. You see that with Kyle Pitts. Awesome stuff, Nate. This was absolutely fantastic. Make sure you check out Nate Tice's work on the Athletic Football Show or on Bleacher Report with the draft rankings he does there. You can also follow him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Until next time, Maybe we'll see you in Vegas in a month here or so. This was uh, fantastic, man. Really, thanks again. Thank you guys for having me. It's fun. Man, that might have been one of our best guests in two foreign drafts history. It was it was very, very good. Nate Tice, that's the first time we've ever had him on the podcast. We've talked a little bit on Twitter, but man, that dude, that dude knows his football. Yeah. Nate, Nate's super good dude. Wisconsin, I mean... Went to Wisconsin. Like true, true. Wisconsinites. I, I really do think it shows like the breadth of knowledge this guy has playing in college, obviously played quarterback for Wisconsin. And then also like his dad is Mike Tice. His dad has been an offensive line coach in the NFL for so, so long that like it'd be hard not to be as in-depth and as knowledgeable of the game as Nate Tice is. What a fantastic guest. We'll have to get him on maybe after the after the draft back on the podcast. We have, Can I tease some guests that we have coming up, Mike? Please. So we had Nate Tice on today. We're talking to Danny Kelly of The Ringer today. I'm talking to Kendrick Green of Illinois, Dylan Radins, Justin Hilliard, Divine Diablo, KJ Stefferson, all players I'm talking to this week. Then we got Pete Schrager on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Big friend, of, big fan of PFF. Going to have him on the pod. I think Dane Brugler of The Athletic is going to make an appearance. We're making moves. You got pro football doc. Dr. Chow. Dr. Chow coming the, on to talk about some of the injuries. Elite injury diagnoser. The most elite injury diagnoser in the game. That guy doesn't miss. Yeah. When he says the guy has a torn ACL, you're fucked. <laughs> Jesus. It's true, though. That's fair <laughs> he enough. He doesn't enough. miss, man. So, yeah, Nate Tice, we're not done there. We're not done. Yeah. More than just Nate Tice. Now, let's finish the podcast with interview with Tulane's Cam Sample. Watch the PFF NFL Draft Show live on PFF.com starting the April 29th, covering every round with live reaction and analysis from Chris Collinsworth, PFF's team of draft analysts, myself, Mike Renner, Eric Eager, Sam Monson, Steve Palzolo, guest appearances from Richard Sherman, Al Michaels, Darius Butler, should be quite the time. Definitely go to every single round. We're going to do every single round on PFF.com. And before you do, go get the latest draft guide. 2021 NFL Draft Guide is finally out. 300 player profiles. Subscribe to PFF Edge or Elite to get access. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these decisions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription Access and one year, 365 days, of Action Pro Subscription Access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription, offering tailor-made to make Avid and new betters better. 
This is a limited time offer that is currently only made available now through the end of the draft. This offer only applies to first time elite annual subscribers. Now joining the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast is former Tulane defensive lineman Cameron Sample, also a PFF guy, man. A lot of people in the offices were clamoring about how good you were at the Pro Day. We grade every single snap, every single practice prep at the Pro Day, and your name just kept showing up in the positives, man. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Of course, dude. Let's start with the Pro. Let's start with Mobile. Let's start with the Senior Bowl. What were some main takeaways for you, some key takeaways you from that experience, and maybe even some feedback that you received from coaches, scouts, all those people down there in Mobile? Yeah, definitely. Um, first off, you know, shout out to Jim Nagy and them. They put on a, you know, great event. The whole week was good, even with, you know, COVID this year. But um, honestly, it was just a good chance for me to, you know, come in and play against some of the, you know, best guys in the country, kind of even get to pick their brains, you know, some other defensive linemen and get coached by – um. You know, the Carolina Panthers also talk with Miami Dolphins, the other side, you know, just really get some good, you know, start to get that sense of pro insight and pro feedback and start getting ready to be a professional. That's awesome, man. And is there any like commonalities in, in what people or what coaches or evaluators are saying about your game, what they liked, what they didn't like? I'm interested to know what you took away from it and what you want to add to your game and what you feel like are strengths or key separators for you in this class. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think my versatility was probably number one, you know, um, at Tulane, I kind of played all up and down across the line. I did the same at the Senior Bowl. Um, had success rushing from head up over the center all the way out to like a wide nine. So, you know, they really like that versatility. Um, a lot of teams are just interested because, you know, I started dropping a little bit more this year. So I guess, you know, not really if I can do it, but just how much experience I had. So that's kind of one of the things that kind of wanted to see and kind of answer some questions like that. Absolutely, man. You recently, you know, what do you feel like when you talk to teams, what do you feel like they most, where they most want to play you? Or do they see you kind of as this moving chess piece that will play up and down the defensive line in the NFL? Or is there any teams that want to put you in a certain position and keep you there? I'm interested to know, you know what positions you feel like NFL teams want to see you the most at. Yeah, definitely. Um, it varies um, with each team, but um, like some feedback I'm hearing is, you know, strong side defensive end, you know, base four, three with the ability in like sub packages to kick inside over a guard or something like that and kind of rush the pass from there. And then from some three, four teams playing like that, um, strong Sam outside linebacker, you know, setting the edge, rushing the passer, maybe a little drop in here and there, but, you know, honestly just being able to move up and down to give the defense versatility. Gotcha, man. Very cool. Well, let's go ahead and look, uh, you know, look forward to or look back at your game and specifically, you know, film study. Something I'm very interested in, specifically for pass rushers, is what exactly goes into a given game week as you're preparing for a certain offensive lineman, whether it's a guard, the tackle. What are you looking for on film in a, you know, in a given game week throughout that week to identify his tendencies in those things before you go up against an offensive tackle or an offensive guard when you know you're going to be seeing them, you know, 30, 40 times in a game? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, a lot goes into it. I mean, first you kind of um, you kind of look at the holistic approach. So kind of do what protection schemes they like to run, and then um, once you get from that, you start you know breaking down the in individuals. So how quick their um their first step is? Do they set deep? Do they set short? Are they aggressive? Or are they more laid back? Um, are they patient with their hands, or do they like to fire them? Um, do they shoot one or two hands? I mean, really any any little indicator you can get throughout the week can help. I mean, we're trying to get a good jump on the snap if. Some alignment, you know, they flare out at their knee before they, you know, actually start their kick set. So any little small hint like that, we take it and run with it. To dig into that a little bit more, I'd be interested to know, you know, what you do pre-snap or how you kind of put together your pass rush plan, depending on the offensive tackle or the guard you're going up against. What exactly are you factoring in as you set up those pass rush moves and put together that pass rush plan? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
the biggest thing I'll probably go for is um, we were taught to kind of read their set. So, I mean, if they jump set you, you know, you kind of gives, frees you up, gives you a two-way go. If they like to sit back, you know, they're susceptible to more power moves, you know, kind of run through them. And then if they, you know, jump you, come at you, you kind of have a that two-way go again, whether to go inside or outside. And then also, you know, we like to break down how they use their hands. So some guys like to punch both of their hands um, high or low. So, you know, that kind of dictates what moves you want to use to combat that. And if they replace their hands, well, um, we'll let you know how often you need to throw your moves and what switch ups. And then, as you know, as the flow of the game goes, you kind of get tendencies, start to set guys up. So it's, it's all a chess game. Speaking of the chess game, how do you play the mental side of it? You know, wide receivers and corners, pass rushers and offensive tackles, they see the same guys over and over again to where you can kind of develop some some trash talk, some of the mental side of it. How, what's your approach to that side? Do you ever you know talk a ton of trash? Do you try and get in their heads at all? I mean, use, I mean, I, it kind of bases off of them. You know, I usually come in and just try to play ball, but, you know, uh, if they want to start talking, you know, I never back down from anything. So if that's the type of game we got to have, that's the type of game we got to have. I mean, um, it makes it fun like that. It gets energy flowing. So, I mean, it just kind of however it come about. That's the approach you have to have, man. If you can't talk trash in this league, what are we even doing? You know, you got oh, yeah. to be able to show up here. Um, I'm interested to know how your film study has changed in the offseason. Have you had any opportunities to watch some guys in the NFL, some guys maybe similar size, similar athleticism that you feel like you can kind of pattern your game after? How much NFL tape are you watching? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I was down at XB, I was working with my coach, Nate, um, and uh, he kind of – we had about a group of five or six linemen we were working with and, um. He, he's big on film study, and I know he breaks down a lot of film from some of the NFL guys he's trained in the past, and we kind of start looking at film with him, too, and he kind of he kind of just showed us some guys that he thought we kind of emulated. I know one guy for me was Carl Lawson just because, you know, he's a power rusher, but, you know, he also has some twitch to him. So just kind of seeing how he approaches the game, um, moves he does. And I also got the chance – he worked out at XB as well, so I got the chance to pick his brain a little bit and ask him some questions, too. Carl Lawson's an interesting name there. I kind of like that one for you a lot. Um, I'm interested to know what you feel like your key strength or key separator in this class is. Obviously, PFF, we scout your game. We see versatility. We see leverage, speed at the snap. Those are kind of some key strengths that we see in your game. But I'm interested to know when you put the scouting, you know, scouting hat on and when you look at your film, what do you feel like are your biggest strengths or what separates you in this class? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like you touch on kind of the same thing. I feel like I can get it done from pretty much anywhere on the defensive line. Um, I think my quickness off the ball really puts me ahead. And I think I'm real good with my hands and um, I play with good leverage. So, I mean, that and then my growing knowledge of the game kind of puts me in positions where I kind of know what's coming before it happens. So, I mean, just a combination of all those things. All right, we can finish here, man. I really appreciate the time. I, I like to ask prospects what their motivation is or what their why is. You know, you make a ton of sacrifices to play college football at the level you did, and you make even more when you pursue a career in the NFL. What is your motivation or your why to kind of continue to play this game? Yeah, I mean, first off, um, this is my love for the game. I mean, this is kind of all I see myself doing. You know, I've loved the game from a very young age. And then uh, I feel like so many people sacrifice so much to get me to where I am today. So I kind of feel like it's my job, you know, maximize my potential and my blessing, blessed ability, you know, to the fullest extent. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate the time and I wish you the best of luck moving forward. I got you. Appreciate you for having me. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Two for One Drafts. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, producer Mike Quinn, producer David Zafaro, Two for One Drafts. Two for One Drafts.